Welcome back, everyone, to another weekly Slap Socks Live here at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. Please join. Uh, we're, we love to talk sports cards with you guys. Love seeing you in the live chat. And every week we bring a presentation with a bunch of questions that were asked by the audience. And if you're looking to ask a question for next week's live stream, go into the description of this video. There is a Google form to submit the question. It's super easy. And we just tally them up over the over the course of the week. And then come here on Mondays and talk about it with you all. So it's really fun. Nate, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, yeah. Always look forward to Mondays. Uh, usually we've got a really good... Uh comment section which michael brown congratulations on the first comment in the comment <laughs> section uh lakers rosters is stacked it's unfortunate they just keep getting quality nba players you know they might only have a, a two-star team with davis and lebron instead of a three-headed monster but every other player on their team is a quality nba player which is frustrating well they just picked up the two uh six man of the year the top vocators with uh dennis schroeder and Montrose harrell so that's going to be kind of scary to watch as a Bucks fan and as a fan of the NBA for the other teams too. It's going to be another year of uh, Lakers dominance. Who knows if they win the title? Of course, so much can go on in the course of an NBA season. We have no idea what's going to happen, but it'll be it'll be interesting once again. Yeah. But how about and we jump out, into that presentation? To, uh, former former Buck um, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, he was Better a Buck for a solid what two days, and it yeah. was the greatest moment of my life as a Bucks fan. Not specifically him, but him and Drew Holiday and Giannis and Chris, and then uh, all that got torn away. I'll take yeah. Tory Craig and Bobby Portis as uh, hey DJ DJ Augustine, DJ Augustine. consolation prizes. At least we've yeah. got depth. But I was really hoping to cut uh, make uh, Coach Bud forced into not playing a ten man bench in the playoffs. Oh my gosh, same. playing our starters. Same. And now we're back to him probably playing a 10-man bench again, which is... Every, every team you watch that's good, they go like, what, seven or eight deep, and that's it. Yeah. And it, hopefully, you know, I was really hoping for uh, for that tide to turn. So let's get in here. Let's uh, let's jump into this presentation. So much for us sulking about the Bucks. I'm sure they'll still be good, of course. First question from Goonie. Considering it's meteor... meteor Nate, say that word for me. I can't say it. Meteoric. There we go. Is that even a word? Is it... Yeah. Okay. I don't there know if it's spelled right, but yeah, that's, a <laughs> that's word. I think that's why it's catching me. Rise over the last year, along with just about everything else. Do you think prime vintage basketball, 1957 to 1961 tops, 86 Fleer to 88 Fleer, 96 Chrome to 2003 Chrome type of stuff has room to grow over the next five plus years? And if so, how high can it go? Do you foresee a day when 57 Russell sells for as much as 52 mantles? So tackling the last part of this question, I got the values here on the screen for the 1957 tops bill russell and the 1952 tops mickey mantle which of course is one of the most popular and legendary sports cards of all time and then there's a lot in the first part of the question but to focus on the last part of the question look at the price difference between these two cards right now uh both these are within the last three months or all these sales that you see on the screen and on the right side you have a psa 4 and a psa 3.5 of mickey mantle 52 tops that went for 43k and 38k on the lefty of the 57 tops bill russell rookie which a 3.5 sold for 6200 and a four sold for 5400 so kind of crazy there to see that 3.5 or is that 5.5 so far away from my face right now i can't see that but either way uh the price is so much lower for the mickey mantle and if we're talking about can vintage basketball rise further over, over the next five plus years, it definitely can. But talking, will Bill Russell sell for as much as Mickey Mantle someday? I don't see it. 
Nate, do you see it? I know that basketball has gained so much popularity over baseball in the sports car market, but for a card like the Mickey Mantle 52 tops, I can't ever see that being outsold by a 57 Bill Russell. No, no, there's, yeah. there's in basketball, right? Bill Russell is obviously a huge name because he has his 11 championships, but he's not like when you're thinking of all time greats, Bill Russell's not the number one name that pops into your head or probably top five, maybe top five, but probably not top five. Right. If you're thinking all time greats for baseball, Mickey Mantle is definitely a top five guy, along with Babe Ruth and Ted Williams and now, you know, Barry Bonds and probably now Mike Trout. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. Um, So. And even even if like I'm sure that people can start to debate all time greats versus basketball and baseball and try to line up numbers and try to say stuff like that. But when it just comes to like iconic card. There's been like, you know, well over 50 years of 52 Mantle being an iconic card. Also mm-hmm. being the first year of Topps baseball product ever. Bowman baseball was in 51, Topps baseball in 52. You know, I'm sure that maybe 57 Topps was the first basketball product. I don't know off the top of my head, but just iconic card is always going to be that Mickey Mantle. Not to say Bill Russell can't be an iconic card for the basketball side of things, but also think about the basketball card market and how the money started in the last two years with so much modern stuff and so much, you know, Kobe and LeBron, it just feels like that people aren't going to be putting, pushing money into Bill Russell. Like they will for Kobe and LeBron, which hitting on the first part of this. Yeah. I'm sure 96 and 2003 tops Chrome are going to be buying by far and away the two biggest sets from the past, you know, 20 years or more than that now, but 20 years. And, and I see those being better. Like, I'm not saying that Bill Russell won't gain extreme value, which he probably will, along with the rest of the vintage basketball market in the next five years. But I still see those 96 and 2003 tops come just being where the money goes just because of the interest level of people buying cards right now. Like, they all want Kobe and LeBron. They probably don't want Bill Russell as much. Yeah. Um, Quick, jumping over to the comment section. Is Bogdan going to go to the Hawks or stay in Sacramento? He did sign with the Hawks. Uh, Sacramento, as far as I know, has not matched. And don't think they're planning on matching because they put a fourth year or a fifth year option or fourth year option and a 15% trade kicker on the contract, um, which makes it a kind of a bear to sign if you're the Kings with the max contract for De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald's big contract himself. I, I missed that, that Bogdan signed with the Hawks. Was that today? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday, gotcha. Yesterday, yeah. So much so that f- so much football going on yesterday at the Packer game. Probably missed it through that. But um, interesting, the Hawks didn't they add someone else too? Who did they add? Uh, Rajon Rondo and Daniil Gallinari, right? Did they add Gallinari? I definitely yeah. did not see that. If they did, he went somewhere. I can't remember where. What's up, but peeps? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, well, Hawks are at- Atlanta's defense won't be great, but they do have Rajon Rondo, so that counts for something. Well, they, they got Trey Young, too, who and is Clint the worst Capella. defensive player. <laughs> yeah, and then they also just drafted that, uh, you know, whatever his name is, out of USC. Not going to try to say oh, it. Can't, uh, can't remember it. The double O uh, guy. Angu or however you yeah. say yeah. yeah. They'll be good, though. It's a, It'll be exciting to watch. And, yes, confirm. Oh, the go- oh, and did go to the Hawks. Okay. I yeah. missed, I See, now I missed that. <laughs> there we go. I want to buy a nice Aaron Rodgers rookie card, but most of them are so ugly. He's wearing a red shirt and some gym shorts in nearly all of them, which is 100% true, by the way. In his rookie cards, he's wearing almost that red jersey and some PE shorts and about every single rookie card. What are some of your favorite Rodgers cards that aren't over $2,000? So if you're wondering about one that is over $2,000 that does have him in his jersey 
and normal jersey and pants and you know game apparel uh bowman chrome autograph numbered off 199 they're so scarce uh bgs 9.5s are definitely going to run over like four or five k and then also the uh, contenders rookie auto which is going to be even more expensive than that in a high grade so not really going to get those for under 2k but i did i was thinking so i knew that 2006 tops chrome featured him in his first tops or bowman chrome card outside the autograph so the bowman chrome auto has him in his normal game apparel the bowman chrome rookie does not uh but the 2006 tops chrome second year card actually has him in his packer uniform of course and the black refractor number of 199 looks awesome i love the black refractors from tops chrome Especially and psa 10s have rolled border yeah yeah it just meshes really well and psa 10s have ranged between 550 and a thousand over the last two months which of course it's a huge range um, what happens with these scarce cards is if Rodgers has a huge game, collector wants to get their hands on some, a buy it now of a rare card like this one, uh, they'll hit that $1,000 buy it now. But either way, under $2,000, one of my uh, nicer, I would say one of the nicer looking cards close to a rookie card in his full uniform that isn't like insanely expensive, like exquisite uh, contenders auto or foam chrome auto. But other than that, you can find just about Rodgers, you know, gold prism, select prisms, you know, all that gold, like really rare uh, modern stuff and almost any of the sets from recent years and we have a follow-up here from the same uh, question asker is for 2014 flawless or immaculate what are some good cards to look into i'm confused with all the different variations patches autos which ones hold their value so there is a lot of different stuff going on with immaculate and flawless in uh football cards and 2014 i'm not exactly sure why that was the year that was picked um potentially reason is is that you know, it might have been the first immaculate and flawless release for football. That might be why. I, I I can't think. Actually, that for sure is why there wasn't there was no 2012 immaculate Russell Wilson or anything. But I picked Devonte Adams. Now, clearly, wide receivers are not really where you want to be spending your money if you're going for straight ROI and mitigating risk. And honestly, I would even go as far as saying football cards aren't where you want to be spending your money if you're trying to mitigate risk. We just saw Joe Burrow go down with a terrible knee injury this week uh acl mcl potentially more structural damage to the knee so definitely so much risk going on in football even patrick mahomes last season when he got injured prices went down a ton congrats to those that bought but right here just to focus on the question at hand i picked Devonta amps because we're huge packer fans and the one on the left is the flawless autograph number out of 10 the gold version and that is like the true rookie auto from the set so if you think of national treasures like the rookie patch auto numbered out of 99 is a true rookie auto uh now granted yes this is a parallel parallel numbered out of 10 but the exact card in the set would be like the true rookie auto the one on the right is an insert it says inscriptions on it in the bottom you can see there right above where it says Devonte adams and that's an insert numbered out of five and it's sold for less than the gold numbered out of 10 I guess it's a BGS 8.5 also, so that definitely has a factor into it. But I would say the one on the left is one that more people would want, myself included, if I were to be collecting uh, Devontae M's Flawless Autos, which I have in the past. Uh, back when I was in high school, I'd collected a ton of Devontae M's cards. Long gone, long, long, long gone. But uh, really, really cool cards. And if and if you're looking into it for that reason, this would be my answer. But I'd also say uh, maybe not the best place to park your money if you're going for ROI. If you're collecting, of course, do what you want. Uh, in that matter, you know, more power to you. Uh, quickly jumping over to the comment yep. section before I answer that next. You can go to the next question. It's fine. Right. Um, buy Tatis now or wait. Never a bad time. MLB Bubba to or ML Bubba. MLB Bubba. I don't know. Uh, Uba. 
if you're a Vikings, if you watch Vikings on the History Channel, Uba, uh, buy Tatis now or wait. Uh, never a bad time to buy Tatis in my mind. He's about $150, $140, $150 PSA 10. If they go down, I don't see them going much lower than 140 maybe 135 by the time January rolls around, but I can't see him much lower than that, um, if at all. So definitely there. And then also Peeps says, the story of Giannis getting drafted, three-part podcast is great if anyone hasn't heard it. It is. It's really good. Go on to Spotify or Apple and look up the Woj podcast for Adrian Wojnarowski, and he has a three-part series for Gian- the draft for Giannis and uh, talks a lot about how the Hawks were going to get him, but the Hawks picked 16th, and they were like, you know, took him on visits and this and that, and you can listen to it, but amazing podcast. Aaron, you should also listen to it uh, when you're doing, like, your links or something. Throw that on. It's about an hour. Extremely good. Um, Will do. Speaking of peeps, look at this question from peeps. Oh, look at that. All right, let's answer it. Can anyone, Nate, question mark, says out why there's two first Bowman Chrome prospect cards, uh, one 2017 BCP 119 and one 2018 BCP 152 for Nationals infielder Luis Garcia. Have you noticed this with other players? Um, yes, as you can see, Casey Mize. Now, this is a little bit of a separate scenario in that Casey Mize has his 2018 uh, Bowman draft card right here and then 2019 Bowman mega boxes cards had the first if you if you zoom in on that you can see it um but his 2019 Bowman autos that he had do not have firsts um even though they're the same card it's only the mojos that got the firsts as for Luis Garcia I don't exactly know why they did it there um every card he has from 27 and 2018 have first, including the autos. The only thing I could think of is maybe it's because Luis Garcia of the Phillies also had a 2018 first Bowman card, and maybe they just got confused and put first on both. But I don't really have a reasoning, and Casey Mize is the only guy I could come up with off the top of my head. I don't know of any others. Aaron, do you? Oh, there were, there were a few over the years that were either missing it or was a situation like this, not offhand, that I would just be able to shoot on that. Um, generally what happens is you see some autos that lack the first Bowman logo when they should have it and stuff. And, but either way, I, you know, I couldn't exactly tell you why tops does it clearly. You can figure out which one is first by the year that's made and, uh, generally, generally roll with that. I would imagine that the reason why Luis Garcia accidentally has a first Bowman logo on it is because his first autograph was in that 2018 set. And then they probably like, accidentally left the first on there for the non-auto but then also why are you putting on there for the auto if other yeah, players you, got, that, you got other guys like Luis, Luis Urias from that yeah. year that has a first Bowman previous year and then an auto but no first yeah exactly so I, they just completely messed up with Garcia here of course but yeah. uh yeah interesting and uh before moving on to more questions first off thank you all for watching if you're watching please hit that like button it does help us get this video out to more people to join the live to talk in the comments and to get more discussion going on sports cards, and then also to address some questions in the live chat. Chris, thank you for leaving your first comment. I see that. Uh, and any of you that are in the comments, please interact with each other. It helps us a lot to get more questions answered if you are talking with each other too. But since Fox signed the max contract, what will the price of a Deer and Fox base prison PSA 10 be? Will it go over 300? So right now, I think that they're around 250 to 275. I haven't looked for a couple of days, so that number is evading me. But I just like, when it comes down to players signing max contracts, extensions to stay with their team, 
I feel like it does create a little, a little bit of a short-term buzz around guys. I'd say like most notably Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell of the guys this year signing their contracts probably does more for their long-term collectors and investors because those fans of those teams know that they'll stay there. Those teams are really good, the Jazz and the Celtics. I think that matters more. When it comes to Fox, I also feel like he has more left to prove. Amazing player, of course, so much skill, so much potential. The Kings are not nearly at the level of the Jazz or the Celtics. So there's a lot to be desired there, I feel. So to take it to $300, we, we'll either have to see more time between now and the season starting because there's a chance there'll be 300 by the time that the season starts with the way that the basketball market's going now. Or we'll have to see him obviously improve his game or do more to make people want to buy his cards during the season. And that's how I see that. Yeah. Hey, quick comment up top from Michael Brown. Can't think of an NBA team that had a bigger offseason than the Thunder, trading everyone with a heartbeat except for SGA for a bunch of first-round picks. I saw somewhere that if, if, and this is a big if, all of the protections are hit on these picks, which includes like uh, top 20 protected for the Warriors, which I don't know, you know, is Steph Curry and Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins enough to carry the Warriors into the playoffs in a crowded West uh, with James Wiseman? I don't know. Probably um, how high they'll go. You know, they might end up below that 20th pick. Uh, if they hit all first, it's like they have like 7% of all first round picks through 2026. Something yeah, like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's factual. I just saw it on a tweet, but, uh, that would be insane. That would be, uh, Ricardo is asking, why don't you get Sam on here as well? We actually are planning on getting Sam on to a couple of these in the near future. So we'll have to definitely uh, figure out that scheduling and stuff because his schedule is much more packed than Nate and I's. But we would love to get him on here to give some basketball knowledge because, of course, Sam Dunks comes out every Tuesday. Tomorrow, there's going to be a really good episode updating all the trades, free agent signings, what the market's doing, uh, what to look for going into the season. So you'll def definitely want to check out that episode uh, tomorrow. And Ziggy says, thank you, Aaron and Nate. Of course, we love doing this. It's a pleasure to be here. We we just love talking about sports cards, honestly. And YouTube Live oh. is definitely the best way for us to do it. And also, shout out to Joel R. Hey, guys. So happy to finally have made a live video. Timing always odd for me as I'm in Australia. So uh, hey. I can't even imagine what time it is in Australia right now. And it's probably, probably the 24th of November. Uh, but, for sure, uh, it's the 24th of November. <laughs> I got to imagine it's early. So yeah. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. All right, here we go. We got a soccer question. With Mbappe cards still declining, is now a good time to pick up his 2016 Panini foot sticker PSA 9, as this is now under $1,000. This past summer, the soccer market started to spike right after basketball did, so maybe we can expect another spike with the NBA season a month away. I don't envision another spike coming you know, in regards to the NBA season coming, I think that a ton of money is going to be focused on the NBA like it always is and is right now. That's definitely going to be the case. Something interesting, though, I was looking into is that the pop report, you know, I don't have a hard number for what the pop report was over the summer, but I do somewhat feel like that it hasn't gone up an insane amount. And I know that has to do just with maybe PSA backlog, maybe people you know, a bunch of stickers being overseas and the hardships of getting cards getting graded by PSA, whatever it might be. I just feel like that pop report hasn't went up a ton on the 10 to 9, uh, you know, numbers there. So it's 128 PSA 10s right now and 229 PSA 9s. And I do feel like as more competition comes in the Champions League, as more, you know, the Euro comes next year, he's playing for France and that, the World Cup comes, this card is definitely going to be at the forefront. Uh, definitely going through a lull right now in terms of the soccer card market, but it's impossible to sustain an incredible growth tra trajectory. So, it's, of course, was going to go down 
you know, in the future after that. Uh, but I think going through the next two years, there will be opportunity for those of you that are interested in soccer. And really when it comes to soccer, it's predicated so much on how are soccer fans going to get involved now? Because really what's going to sustain this thing long-term or have people constantly want to be buying, selling, trading in the soccer card market is going to be soccer card fans at or soccer fans or soccer card fans at heart. And I see that more happening now than, you know, four, three, two months ago. So I think that there is, you know, a lot to be excited about. If you're a soccer fan, a soccer card fan, um, you definitely have to be in it, you know, to be wanting to be in it and want to watch the games and want to interact with others. Cause that's really where the benefit comes in soccer is knowing that and being able to talk with others about it. All right. This is, this is we, normally we get one or two questions about an NBA, like this guy or that guy type of thing. Last week is Michael Porter and Trey Young. This week, there's a question who is a bigger injury risk for their career Zion or MPJ? Well, first off, Nate and I, neither of us are doctors or anything. There is a guy on Instagram called sports card PT. If you go and look him up on Instagram, I know he's written articles on MPJ and I'm sure he has one on Zion uh, from back when he injured his knee going into the bubble or, you know, even after the draft. But here is the values for the Prism Silver PSA 10s. And I will say this, the pop report for Zion Prism Silver PSA 10 is really low. It's a really tough card to grade. There is definitely under 50% silver PSA 10s of the entire population. Now also the values hide because it's Zion, it's 2019 Prism. That for a lot of people, and I said this last year too, when Prism was coming out, that I really felt like the 2019 Prism was going to be like maybe my 2012 Prism or someone else who was growing up during my age or who first got involved in basketball cards because of 2012 Prism, which actually happened to be why I started getting involved in basketball cards. Uh, 2019 Prism is going to be like that set for a lot of people. It's going to be the set that got people into the this, the basketball card market, really enjoyed it and really started buying, selling it and collecting it and all that stuff. And I feel like that has a lot to do with the price as well. But 4,400, you see there, 4,500 for Zion Silver PSA 10. MPJ has went up since last week when we talked about it on last week's live. Nate and I discussed about him being $800 a silver PSA 10. And you know you could get three for $2,400 compared to the tray. Well, this week it's up to $1,050 already. So right here, evidence if you joined last week's YouTube live, you can see how the basketball car market's heating up. Uh, in terms of the actual question of who's a bigger injury risk, I mean, I remember reading an article from Sports Card PT that MPJ's risk isn't super high for the injury he had. And I imagine Zion and his, you know, weight structure and all that stuff and, and body structure could be more of an injury risk. But Nate, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I was just more talking about the cards here just because they're interesting. But I, I don't know if you have any thoughts I on have, that. I have no thoughts on any of this outside of the fact that there were so many people that were calling Zion a bus before it even stepped foot on it on the court. And now all those people look pretty foolish. I remember last year when he, when he just got injured, couldn't play for the first couple months. People left and right in group chats and Instagram were saying, Zion stinks, he's a bust, why would oh, you buy everyone, him, all that. Everyone that came into the shop at Brewtown, like I'd say 90% of them, so not everyone, but like 90% of them would say, oh, Zion, he's a bust. And the other 10% of us were just like, at least, at least let him play. It's like people with Flagro Jr. has 115 um, OPS plus, 15% better than league average. He's a boss because, you know, he's only 15% better instead of 40. Let him play. Let him progress. See what happens. Keep in mind, these guys are like 19 and 20. Also mm -hmm. coming into the league, 19 and 20. I was sitting in class when I was 19 and 20. I'll tell you that much. Me too. <laughs> so Probably not doing yeah, my yeah. homework either at 19 and 20. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like 
20, I was probably working on slap stocks a lot, but uh, Michael Brown, did Sam have a doctor on one of his episodes a few weeks ago? He did. He had the team doctor for Rice University and one of the uh, U.S. men's and women's national team soccer doctors on his podcast. Really, really good stuff. Please go watch that episode. If you do want to learn more about the injury you know, reports, I know, I know for a fact that they talked about MPJ because they also talked about Bobo. You can learn a lot from that episode for sure. Uh, shout out Paulo from Singapore. We've got Australia, Hello. we've got Singapore, Ooh. And, we've, and we've got uh, America, presumably. <laughs> Anyone else, any any other countries you're from, shout them out, and we'd love to give you some shine. Yeah, it's just kind of cool. Kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, there was one other question here. Oh, it's uh, from Crack It Open Podcast. Asked, asked a couple times, what do you think about top stamp flagship cards, things like the Tease 410 All-Star, Montgomery, and the 150 stamp? Aaron, you have a much more uh, opinionated uh, you know, thought about this than I do. Yeah. Cause I've heard it before. So why don't you give them your thought? Well, are we talking about like when, when we were talking about Will Smith, one fifty stamp, is that what we're talking about? I remember we, we were talking about the prices of Will Smith, one fifty stamp versus base PSA 10. And it's like $10 well, difference. Well, I've talked about the one fifty stamp with you a number of times and you're always hating on it. Yeah. I mean, first off, okay, let me, I don't know if I hate on it in the, in the time, but there's two, two different perspectives here. One is that 150 stamp, it rarely lasts between products, so it just can't have a longevity for a parallel, which is why something like gold numbered out of the year that was produced is so good and valuable and sought after because it has longevity. Stuff that doesn't have longevity generally doesn't do well in the sports car market because it can't capture fans. So that's why I would have been hating at 150 stamp. On the flip side, 150 stamp is much more rare than a base. And I know for a fact when we, we were talking about Will Smith PSA 10 prices, his base PSA 10 versus 150 stamp PSA 10 is like 5 to $10 difference. And the 151 is so much lower pop, so much more rare. Um, and Nate's taking a break here, it appears to be. But, you know. I'm trying to grab the card. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were just heading out. I'm like, all right, well, it's just me now. Either way, Nate will show the card on the screen. But 150 stamp, much more rare. In terms of the all-star game stamp, also more rare. I have really don't know how you get that it, it might be out of a complete set where it's an all-star game complete set version where they released around the all-star game you can get rookie psa 10 stamps but uh yeah that's that's my thoughts on it and i i feel like if nate takes too long i'm gonna jump on to the next question <laughs> no, no 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 i'm right here i'm right here <laughs> all right all right all right calm down calm down in case you're all wondering the Will Smith in question. Yeah, you can see let, the little 150 stamp right there. Let me switch it to a bigger screen for them to see. Oh, there we okay. go. 150 stamp right above his name where it says Smith. That would be the stamp they were talking about. They're not numbered. So they're not numbered. Some would maybe think that they'd be numbered out 150. I do feel like if it was numbered out 150, it would have been way um, better. The inserts. So like the Willie Mays greatest player inserts out of 150 or Mookie Betts. Those are numbered and, 150. And the, and the autographs. That's why I was thinking about that. The autographs with the 150 stamp are also numbered out 150. Because you and I pulled the Luis Arias autograph number out 150. So I knew that. But uh, yeah, there's there's our thoughts on it, I suppose. And also, you can't really go wrong if you're buying the correct player when it comes to this type of stuff. We can debate parallels all we want up here. Some just mean more demand. Some mean less demand. Hey. Some means higher supply. Some mean lower supply. If it's ten dollars more, it's ten dollars more. That's more money in your pocket, so you can't complain. Yeah, you know. But it's um, also ten. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Don Mattingly has also has always gotten hobby love despite not making the Hall of Fame. He just won Manager of the Year. Do you think his card prices could significantly increase if he gets it in due to his success success as a manager? 
Now, I was going to take this question as a as a generality, but I'm also going to cover, you know, just the odds of him making it into the uh, Hall of Fame as a manager. And as you can see over here uh, on the right, you have a list of, I don't know, 25 guys. I didn't count them um, as managers, and it's a little hard to see. I understand. But if you go over to the right, you can see their win percentages and the lowest win percentage. There's a 493 and a 486 by Connie Mack. The 486 by Connie Mack, though, he coached 53 years. <laughs> he coached in 7,755 games, so he was guaranteed to make the uh, the Hall of Fame with those numbers. Now, Don Mattingly, on the other hand, has a 497 career win percentage, which would be the third lowest on this list. And not only that, he's only coached in 10 seasons, the two lower than him coach for 29 seasons and 53 seasons. So he doesn't have the longevity, nor will he get the longevity. He would need another 19 seasons to make it to 29, which would put him at the tender age of 78, 79. Um, seems unlikely. So Don Mattingly probably not going to see a significant increase from making the Hall of Fame because it's unlikely that he makes the Hall of Fame. Um, but in a, in a general sense... Are there guys that don't make the Hall of Fame but go on to do other things or guys that are Hall of Famers like Derek Jeter, who then goes on to buy the Marlins? If the Marlins are good, Derek Jeter gets the credit. Does that raise his card price? Uh, Alex Rodriguez, you know, not a Hall of Famer, but uh, becomes well-liked because of, you know, his uh, being on Fox and stuff. Does that change his card price? I don't have an answer for you. I guess uh, we'll just have to wait and see. A lot of stuff I feel like in the card market is kind of like a time will tell type of thing. It's like there isn't always an example for everything, so just kind of got to see it play out. And I mean, I'm sure I'm sure a couple people have had the same idea. You know, people have ideas about a lot of things. It's just getting the rest of the people to share your idea to make the prices go up. Yeah, for sure. This is all Nate here. Yes, it is. I read your Nate Doolet butchered that. <laughs> I read your daily newsletter and you regularly recommend Baker Mayfield cards as an eBay auction target. Can you explain why you think he is still a good investment? And I was going to pull up his stats one second. Um, and this is a little bit of, this is a little bit of me not being willing to give up on him more so than him being good. If that makes any sense. Um, he's the last guy I was deciding on before the season, if I was going to put him on the lists, like, I was really close to not putting him on the list, and I said, well, I still like Baker. I'm going to hold out hope. Um, he has been terrible. Uh, in his last three games, he had he 48% completion percentage, 60%, 54% completion percentage, zero touchdowns each of those three games, and four sacks in those three games. Um, they've, they won two of them, 10 to seven against Houston, terrible team and 22 to 17 against Philadelphia, terrible team. Um, they're winning because of the strength of their, you know, their, their defense lately and not because of Baker Mayfield, they're probably winning despite Baker Mayfield. So you are very, uh, it's very Mike T. That's a good question. Why am I putting him in there? Uh, it's more just me holding out hope that he's going to be good, but you are correct. I should probably take him out because he's been pretty trash for the last three weeks. And plus, uh, he had a five touchdown game in there against a terrible Bengals team. Otherwise, uh, he just has not been a good QB. Um, pretty disappointing to see. 
that uh that Bengals game was good. Everything else not so good. Yeah. And I put the prices in there so you could see it. I just to put something on the screen. Four hundred five dollars <laughs> for a silver PSA ten. Yeah, right, some questions that I got in a row. I know. Hey, a lot for you this week. Last week there's like none. This week you got like ten. <laughs> That's true. Uh, for modern rookie baseball cards, what is the best brand to purchase? Tops, Tops Chrome, Tops Update. Well, I lumped Tops Update and Tops into the same thing because it's basically the same thing. It's just a continuation of Top Series One, Top Series Two. Tops Update is all just Tops flagship. Um, for whoever asked this question, they didn't put a name. Um, now the question is, I took Eloy Jimenez because I always take like Fernando Tatis or Juan Soto or uh, Ronald Lacuna, and I wanted to take a different name. Yes, Aaron. But do you know what Tatis and Soto's chromes and base do? And yeah, they're, they're very. Uh, Soto's chromes are more expensive. Dude, they they've they've switched. They've switched. Soto's chromes are for sure. And Tatis's chromes are like thirty dollars more. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, you can see the prices here. The top series two is on top, and that is sixty five dollars November nineteenth, and that's shipped. The chrome on the bottom here forty two dollars forty three dollars. Uh, if we round up a little bit. And that's November 22nd, or $43, $53. So, you know, a $12 difference between the Series 2 and Chrome. Aaron, can you go to the next slide? Sure thing. And then you have the uh, pop reports here, top Series 2 on top. And that is 6,000 total cards, 4,194 PSA 10s. And Chrome on the bottom, 1,571 uh, PSA 10s out of 1,843 total grades, which is insane. Uh, I don't don't know what the pit rate off of that off the top of my head is. That's huge. That's huge. 85 plus percent. I was going to say like 85 percent. It seems to be. Um, but you're looking at a much larger selection of of uh, series two, even though that's the more expensive card right now. So if we're going to follow suit. With the um, Kuna's weird because he has Tops Chrome cards and Tops Chrome Update cards. So yeah, and his weird examples are different. cutting them out. Yeah. Um, but if you take Tatis and you take uh, Soto as the example, maybe eventually Chrome for all of these guys will switch. Clearly, Eloy deserves to. I know the PSA ten rate is higher, but there is you know twenty five hundred less PSA ten Chromes than there are. Series twos. Um, so I don't know which way I'd go on that. Do I take the is it do I go lower on the chrome because the hit rate's better, or do I go higher on the chrome because it has way fewer PSA tens? Well, one thing I can say for sure is that Soto's tops chrome update is way more than his tops update rookie because of the fact that tops chrome update is a target exclusive product. It is not produced in the quantities that tops chrome is, like for Eloy or Tatis. And that, and even Acuna's uh, first Topps Chrome card, he also had Topps Chrome update, but that definitely helps out Soto's card a lot for sure. And that also helps because he only had Topps Chrome update versus Tatis that had that Topps Chrome update rookie debut. Although I know that Soto also had Topps Chrome update rookie debut, but it's just another option for people to consider when it comes to, to, to Tatis. It's interesting. I think that this will be a really good debate, debated subject for baseball cards over the next you know year to three would be what what goes on with chrome versus flagship because i think we've seen it go through a lot of different waves in the past and i know people always bring up that mike trout had a fan if we're talking base cards i'm a big fan of chrome if we're talking uh 
parallels. I'm a big fan of flagship. It's a good thought right there. I remember a lot of people saying that because Mike Trout didn't have a 2011 Topps Chrome rookie because there wasn't a Topps Chrome update release. It was just a normal uh, release in, in 2011 in those years that that hurts the Topps Chrome market because your biggest card of any modern baseball card doesn't have that card. People can't relate to it as much. And that is generally why I feel like we've been seeing so much higher prices for the paper. I think for Acuna, it comes down to a lot a lot of factors with production, with the photo that they chose. There's so many different – he has so many rookie cards that it's very hard to pick it apart. Much easier with a guy like Soto. But I think that's what we're seeing with all these uh, different releases and cards. And also, thank you to the 100 viewers here right now. Please hit that like button if you can. Helps us get more people in here to discuss sports cards, and we're very excited to do that today. And hey, also – Eric left you a nice comment there. Yes, thank you, Eric. Uh, I enjoyed doing the episode. It ran a little bit longer than I was expecting, 45 minutes, but I've got nothing but good feedback or positive feedback, so I appreciate everyone that sent positive feedback. Uh, and if you want to send along more ideas with your positive feedback, that'd be great <laughs> because I have sometimes struggle in the offseason with coming up with uh, podcast ideas. Um Luke Green asked, what should I sell my Eloy Jimenez PSA 10 Top Series 2 for? Ethan Hartman says 85 on the dot, and that's probably a pretty fair. I might go a little lower uh, just because I worry about him becoming a DH long-term and long-term prices, but I definitely think anything 70 and above is definitely a sell for me. I do think he's going to lead the league in home runs a number of years in the AL. All right. Pete's Junk Treasure. First time watching, love the live. Thank you all very much, or thank you, Pete, for watching. Thank you all who are here for watching, too. We really appreciate that, and our normal YouTube videos, too. We definitely appreciate that as well. While modern base cards can be good short-term investments, they may not be good long-term due to volatility and population. Does the same rule apply to base cards of of goats where they may have multiple base rookies? Examples would be guys like Kobe, LeBron, and Brady. Are their base rookies good long-term investments, or should we only stick to numbered or refractor rookies of those guys? Well, I will say this. If you stick to numbered or refractor rookies of Kobe, LeBron, Trout, and Brady, you're going to be spending a lot of money, a ton of money, like so much money that you could build multiple houses with it, most likely, <laughs> because here are the base rookie prices for Kobe, base rookie PSA 10 prices, tops, chrome, uh, sale right there that that is with greening on it. Uh, as you can see, Kobe's kind of looking like the Hulk there. Uh, Eleven thousand dollars in tops finest PSA ten without the coating on it. Eight hundred and sixty dollars and the PSA ten base from tops for Kobe twenty five fifty and then Skybox Premium pulling in another card that's not tops card sold for seven thirty for a PSA ten. So I suppose my answer here is this: is that back in those days, nineteen ninety five to two thousand three, there were way less or 1996, I should say, for Kobe, there were way less options when it came to cards. Now, yes, for Kobe, there were actually quite a bit of options, if you think about it. Like, he had a lot of those different offshoot releases and stuff. But compared to today, I feel as if there was less cards that people would actually want to buy, I suppose, compared to today. And I think that that helps um, a lot of people get their hands on rookies for sure and, and also helps – you know, the long-term projection on these base PSA 10s or base PSA 9s or 8s, whatever you can afford, whatever grade. I think that these are all great investments for any of the GOATs. Um, I don't think that we're going to run into any situation where we'll be like, dang, there's like a 15, 16,000 Luka Doncic PSA 10 population, or maybe even 20,000 someday. 
Uh, you know, these cards are going to be very hard to find in tens anymore. I think we're we're seeing going to see good, you know, stable up and down prices over the next three, five years, especially given how people come into the market, money goes or dollars go up, they can go down, whatever you want to talk about when it comes to the market moving. But in terms of the question, I think that they're totally fine investments for hey, uh, a quick comment on base cards in general. Uh, after looking at these prices, and I know it's not the same thing, but somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago if they should sell their Fernando Tatis Tops Chrome Rookie because um, it wasn't going to PSA 10. They thought it would PSA 9, so they didn't send it in. And uh, I was like, I wouldn't I wouldn't sell it. Uh, the benefit between $50 and potentially having you know one of these cards in the future, not, not the same scenario because there's a, probably going to be a billion Tops Chrome PSA 10s of Fernando Tatis. But you know, if it's between $50 now and potentially you just hold on to it, put it in a box and don't look at it and you get $500 later, please just hold on to your base cards of guys that look like absolute stars. You know, Wander Franco first Bowman's, even if it's not going to get a PSA 10, just hold on to that bad boy. You don't need $30 right now. Uh, let it sit. Let it uh, mature. Let's also think that PSA 9s are going to mature even further than base non-graded. So maybe even grade up as a nine if you can. Those are going to for sure appreciate more as time goes on. People are going to want that PSA slab. That happens so much in cards now. And Dex Flow is asking, Aaron, what is your favorite item on the Popeye's menu? I mean, there are a couple times. I really like their uh, just a normal chicken strip. Do not say chicken tenders. Dude, the chicken strip basket, man. What what else are you going to get there? Some fried chicken on a bone? I'm eating that. That's trash. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's trash. Oh. Dude, never, you get this. Rule number one, never ask Aaron his fast food takes, okay? Do not do it. Terrible takes. He goes to Culver's, and if you don't know what Culver's is, it's a burger and uh, custard place in Wisconsin. Delicious, amazing, nutritious, some say. Uh, cheese curds. They, they just tell himself that. World's greatest burgers, and Aaron goes into the place with the world's greatest burgers and comes out with chicken tenders. Hey, word on the street. Word on the street says that Nate also does that now. Nate also does that now, mainly because burgers make him sick. And all, all all beef actually makes him sick, except for beef from Taco Bell, which is a little bit concerning <laughs> because it's not real beef. Um, hey, there was a question here that we should really answer, though. Um, oh, uh, I don't want to I don't want to butcher his name. Mangesh, I'm going to guess. Uh, how do you send in questions for them? Does Nate and Aaron check these chats or somewhere else? We do check the chats, but the best way to send in questions, Aaron, is? Through the description of this video, we have the link at the very top of the description for every single week for next week's live stream. And yes, we do check the chat. We are talking right now about Popeye's chicken and Culver's and such. But we, you know, majority of our time is spent on this slideshow we produce and we uh, create for each week because we can get the most in-depth answers. But we will go through and talk about some of the the uh, chat, the live chats, mostly if they're pertaining to what we're talking about. Sometimes there's something that might, you know, entice us to answer it. But uh, this is generally the way we answer these questions and you'll get the best response. That's for sure. Hey, I'm just going to say this. I wasn't very impressed by the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I got never had it. the regular and the spicy. I thought the spicy was better than the regular, but there's no chance I would drive all the way to Popeye's and pass up a chick. And I would have had to pass up a Chick-fil-A to get to Popeye's. No chance I would do that. I would just go to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is probably my favorite fast food so, restaurant. Spicy so chicken deluxe. Spicy chicken deluxe every time with a Chick-fil-A sauce. Just can't beat it. You can't mm. beat it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> we might need that for dinner. 
All right. Nate, I know this was kind of your question, but I'm sure we'll both have takes on this. Why are basketball and football cards so much more expensive in the secondary market compared to baseball? I feel as if wait, 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 wait. whoa, don't steal my don't steal wait, my wait, wait. I'm I'm not answering. I'm not I'm just gonna say oh. I feel as if this this question is almost geared towards seal boxes before you begin. Oh, okay. Well, I was gearing mine. <sighs> Thought you were gonna steal my answer, so I didn't want you to. <laughs> uh I was gonna gear mine towards, you know how like in basketball right five guys on a court you get one really good player on your team and you can make the playoffs unless you're carl anthony towns apparently yeah um if you are football people don't really pay for running backs wide receivers defensive players all that much so it's really a quarterback centered sport so i don't think it's necessarily fair if you average out all the prices of all of the football cards uh, you'll find it probably lower than baseball. But if we're just talking quarterbacks, it's because if you have one good quarterback and a terrible defense, shout out to the Seahawks, uh, you can actually win some games compared to a team that has you know a good supporting cast but no quarterback. He's still not going to win games uh, all that often. In baseball, you can have Mike Trout, and he can hit have uh, you know one playoff series in his entire career, even though he's the best player in baseball. So I think that is why they are so much more expensive is because you know you get that kind of like that hype behind a team from just one guy whereas baseball is really a team sport i agree and the reason why i said i think this is geared towards box prices potentially is because i also agree with you that i think overall baseball is higher but i think that what you what i'm thinking is that like prism wax insanely expensive for football national treasures wax insanely expensive you know all those really high top brands like panini makes for basketball they also make for football is so highly priced because of those quarterbacks and what their psa 10 sell for and all that jazz but i think in terms of just a straight market for just maybe cards you don't have maybe the super highs of you know some of those new quarterbacks like you might have for baseball players just because of those high-end cards sell for so much for the quarterbacks but also, I think overall, you're going to see much more people and players and cards hold more value versus football, especially with how short the careers are in football, especially those outside of the quarterback position. If you think about a draft, you know, you're not getting more than two to three good quarterbacks out of even maybe one or none sometimes. So you uh, can I really shit. Sometimes you go. Uh, 2013 Tops Chrome was one of the worst products ever because there's no quarterbacks out of it. Geno Smith was the only guy, and, that, and now he's terrible, obviously. But I guess my point is, is that there's so much more risk in just everything well, in football. I've seen it so much, even more recently. We are we are a couple years removed from the 2018 draft now, right, Aaron? And mm-hmm. so 2018, it would have looked great. You would have had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. Is there another quarterback in there? Did I miss a quarterback? Josh Allen, did you say? Josh Allen. Thank you. And now you and and before it would have been Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold getting the big money, right? Mm -hmm. And now you look at it and it is Lamar Jackson's kind of trending backwards. Josh Allen's trending up, and the rest of them are just bull, especially Josh Rosen. So even if you have a big quarterback class, you know, a couple years removed, you're lucky to have one good guy out of that class. Yeah, which which makes like 2004 when you have Big Ben and Philip Rivers and Eli Manning all that much more impressive. Yeah, and if you think about it, this 2020 class with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Tua, and even before Burrow got injured yesterday, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, what does it look like three years from now? Are all three as good 
as they are now. You know how everyone thinks that they're amazing right now. Well, Justin um, Herbert's a stud. Okay, I know that. I'm not saying that he's not going to be. I'm just saying, like, you know how rare it is to get three great quarterbacks out of a draft. We'll see. Because I yeah. think that a lot of people thought we'd have four or five great quarterbacks out of the 2018 draft. And that clearly didn't pan out. Yep. Although they do have an MVP. Uh, Zach Jacobs yeah, says you'll need to come out to California and get in and out. You know, I saw I, that. I've had in and out. Nate, I, I went okay. to Texas. I went to Texas. I got in and out years back. And this is the same time I tried Chick-fil-A for the first time. Because back then when I was in middle school, there was no Chick-fil-A in the Midwest. Like yeah. none. I I was blown away by Chick-fil-A. I fell in love with it. I think I ate it five days straight in a mall one time in Texas. But regardless of that, in and out, I tried it. Cheapest burgers I've ever found is like what two dollars and fifty cents for a burger there and it was meh is meh i i i knew i knew the moment i said in and out is just okay that somebody would jump on that and connie Choi for sure in and out is just okay you know um, the next time the next time nate and i are out in a card show where there's an in and out we might have to go try it live just to see again but my first nope, take this many is what years we do, Aaron. we got to make it out to phoenix because i know there's an in and out i know there's a whataburger and i know there's a culver's in That's, Phoenix. I think and the same might up, be in Texas, but yes, either way. And we pick up burgers from each spot, and we have a blind taste test, and we finally settle this. And then I regret my life decisions from eating that much beef in one sitting. Oh, uh, Nate would explode. <laughs> All right. Connie Choi says, that, oh, yeah, no in and out and no in and out in Chicago. No. Looking for that free not. burger. There's not. Yeah, always looking for that. All right, moving on. Is it worth submitting well-centered PSA nines for expensive cards like Tatum? Is it worth sorry for for cards like Tatum rookie prisms that to go to BGS in hopes of a nine point five PSA nines go for two hundred ish, nine point five is go for three sixty ish for Tatum, and we have the prices here just to show them on the screen. But I don't know about you, Nate, but I think that it's one one away. Sorry if I just hit my mic. I hope I didn't rupture anyone's nope. ears out there. All right, one. Too expensive to try to cross grade a card like this. You're gonna pay like what thirty some dollars to send it to BGS. Two, it's gonna be sitting there for forever. Three, you don't even know if it's gonna cross. The risk, the time, and all that jazz just it doesn't do it for me. I, I don't see why. And also how because I think that PSA nines are trending in a better direction than BGS nine fives. There's a lot of things going on there, but I don't I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, this is actually a pretty good gap here between a PSA 9 and BGS 9.5, at least in the baseball market when I'm looking. There's a lot of baseball cards where BGS 9.5s are not very valuable uh, compared to the non-graded. You know what, Nate? I actually was thoroughly surprised when I read this question. That is a $160 difference, and I actually had to go search it just to confirm it because I was really surprised, honestly, by this because that's a pretty you know huge spread that I don't – you know, I don't know if it's actually justified to be completely honest because I bet you a lot of the nines you crack out, they might get nine fives really too. Yeah. So, but also, I don't I just, think it's worth the time and money in because you, you won't even be able to sell that during the season if you want to. You won't even be able to capture that flip. Yeah. Um, right. Reddit meat allergies. Uh, I don't know. Just suddenly this year, I stopped being able to eat red meat without having my stomach tie in knots. So, <laughs> what are you going to do? Too bad. All right, here we go. With cards blowing up, so have submissions to PSA. Do you believe that when the large wave of the summer submissions, which likely to lead to more PSA submissions, 
We'll saturate then. Okay, this question is worded a little oddly, but I think the gist of it is uh, also of- if anybody's if anybody's wondering, I just copy and paste the questions in when we're making this. I don't do any edits. I don't. So if it looks weird, that's why. I also don't do any edits because I don't want to make it seem like we're editing all the questions and the type and whatnot. I just want it to be how it's submitted. But this is how it's submitted. And I think that the question is there's a large back or, or backlog at PSA of cards. Um, there might have been a large one there over the summer. Maybe more got graded, more came into the market on the supply side because people got their cards back. And many times when people get their PSA submissions back, regardless if they believe in a player, believe in a card, whatever it might be, they try to find cards to sell because there's so much profit to be made and it makes sense. You know, there's no wrong in doing so, but that's what leads to the higher supply in the market. And do I think there'll be another large wave of cards coming back in quarter one, 2021 or quarter two, 2021? Yeah, I'm sure there will be. Uh, of course, we always talk about how the market demand fluctuates and more people come in, more people don't come in. It just kind of goes in waves. I'm sure we'll see some waves to where you know there's enough demand to meet the supply and then there's not enough demand to meet the supply and we'll see price fluctuations everywhere. In terms of the second part of the question, do you think Select may pass prison prices in the next year or two? Um, I do not, but don't that don't let that be the word that select is as good as prison because I actually love select. Nate does too. Sam does too. We all do. But I just can't see something like a Zion concourse PSA 10 ever passing a prison based PSA 10 Zion. I just don't think it's going to happen. Prism is the biggest brand. It's the most softer card. Select might look the best and might have the best parallels. They might have the you know rarest base cards, whatever you want to call it. But I just don't see the brand getting taken over for Prism. But I do believe that select is you know a great collector set or even maybe a great investment set for some of you out there whatever you however you want to chop it up i love the set myself it's just personal opinion of course that doesn't apply to everyone i know so many people out there like optic over select i like select over optic it's really a personal opinion things to don't take my personal opinion as it's what you have to do make some opinions on yourself with the pop report the market values how they look how you enjoy them all that stuff Oh, Michael Brown coming in hot with the super chat once again. Thank you for that $5 super chat. Which is the best pie for Thanksgiving and why is it apple pie? He answers the question for us. Nate, what's the best pie for Thanksgiving? None. Pie is trash. I will say myself, I'm not like a super huge fan of pie, Um, which is, you know, I love pumpkin and pumpkin spice flavored stuff. Like literally I'll find, dude, well, I know I've been eating it for breakfast recently. Pumpkin flavored life. Pumpkin spice frosted mini wheats. Oh. It's awesome, dude. I, I love I pumpkin ice cream, pumpkin custard. Hey, cops, pumpkin custard with chocolate chunks in it. Awesome nope. ice uh, custard. Dude, nope. I love it. But I don't like pumpkin pie because it's so mushy and whatever. I mean, but e- either way, what's the best pie? I'd have to go with apple out of the pies. I'm not a huge pie guy uh, myself, honestly. I've been told my mom makes a good apple pie, but also she makes a very good, and you guys should all look this up, extremely good uh chocolate bourbon pecan pie that's a little chocolate it's got some bourbon in there it's got pecan it's like a candy bar wow that is delicious hey have you ever had oreo pie where it's like you know cookies and cream custard with uh oreo crumbled bottom and oreos lining the outside of it like the yeah that that's pretty special too that's one of my favorites well uh everyone if you get anything from this live this live stream Look up chocolate bourbon pecan pie and make that for Thanksgiving in two days. You will not be disappointed. I hey, guarantee Pete, it. You will not be disappointed. Pete's junk treasure is joining me in the pumpkin spice frosted flakes. Oh, just kidding. I was frosted mini wheats. Frosted flakes. What? 
pumpkin pie or pumpkin spice frosted flakes. I might need to check that out. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Another Nate question here. All right. Ooh, this is a little small. Let's zoom in here. Despite being really good, Freddie Freeman didn't get much hobby love before this past year. Everyone's focused on the rookies initially, but breakout players are good investment opportunity. Also, shout out Christian Yelich from a couple years ago. Who are your picks for next year's breakout players in terms of performance and in terms of gaining some hobby interest? So I threw up the prices of the uh, Freddie Freeman so you could see it here. Um, one month into the season, we're at $155, and after the season, we're even higher than that, which is a little shocking to me. You'd expect you'd expect it to be lower. Um, that being said, I didn't come up with a list of guys because we just don't know what's going on with the uh, going on going to be going on with the off season currently, but with the lack of money and everything in flux. Um, there's a couple ways you could approach this. You could either, you know, like I would never be able to call a Freddie Freeman breakout over what Freddie Freeman's already done because he's been amazing, right? And he didn't change parks or anything. So normally what I'm looking for is a guy that's changing parks and going from a big park to a little park. You know, the way DJ LeMay, who went from Colorado to the Yankees a couple years ago, or Christian Yelich went from uh, Miami, a huge park, to uh, uh, Milwaukee. <laughs> Um, or Nick Cassianos going from Detroit to Chicago and then Chicago to Cincinnati, which is a really good park for his bat, right? So I'm always looking for that next guy, uh, but you can't predict that because you don't know where guys are going to sign. Um, so you're just kind of hoping, like, maybe the Mets want Josh Hader, right? And they want to trade, and the Brewers want a first baseman back, so they go after uh, Dominic Smith. And Dominic Smith's bat comes from New York into Milwaukee. All of a sudden, I'm like, yes, I want to invest in Dominic Smith because this is a much better hitter's park. And Dominic Smith is an amazing hitter, right? Something like that. But I can't predict that for you. And I don't want to predict like some amazing player become goes another step higher like Freddie Freeman did this year because that's impossible. I agree. Uh, and for those of you watching, thank you all to watching. Please hit that like button and subscribe if you can and join us next week too. We're not done here yet. We're coming into the home stretch of this week's uh, YouTube live show. We'd love to have you guys back next weekend talking in the comments. It's it's really a great time. And I do have a question for you, those of you that are watching right now. Um, what what do you think is a better suggestion? Do you like the YouTube title where it's just, you know, uh, collecting and investing in sports card questions where, you know, every week it's the same thing so you know what, what it is? Or would you rather have after the show uh, myself, I can edit the title to include the topics of the show so that maybe people can sift through and find out what topics they want to listen to. Uh, whatever you guys think is best, let me know, and I can try and incorporate that just so we can get some of this uh, user feedback here. Always looking for feedback, too. Nate's hey, up again. This, Holy cow. That, no wonder why actually, it's taking so long. This is actually an interesting question. Two interesting questions in a row. Lindor would be a good card to snag. Uh, Lindor is definitely going to get traded. The question is where? What if he got traded to the Yankees? Significantly smaller park. You know, 30 home run Lindor, that'd be kind of interesting. And then also, uh, is De'Aaron Fox resigning to the Kings bad for his prices? So is De'Aaron Fox signing with a pretty inept uh, – I know we covered it earlier, but the opposite end of it, maybe because he signs with such an inept uh, uh, franchise that in, it will deflate his prices long term. 
they they did get a new GM in there who also appeared to be making a terrible trade to start with that Bogdan thing, and then they got nothing for him in the end. But uh, so not a great start. Well, to, it's not to a the terrible. Regime. It's not a terrible trade if you know th- they clearly got nothing. So it was well, a good trade in that they got something. It would have been better than what it is now. But either way, it wasn't going to work out super great. I mean, Dante is going to be a fine player, of course, uh, but. Either way, I do do. I don't think that it necessarily hurts his value because check this out: he gets to stay the best player on the team. He gets to get a bunch of usage, and he gets to get a lot of spotlight on that team. Now, I'm not saying that team's going to be good. I'm not saying he's going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying he can get as much spotlight elsewhere. I just don't think it'll hurt his prices, but definitely doesn't help. Like I was talking earlier about how guys like Mitchell and Tatum, who sign those long term extensions on teams that have huge collector bases and fan bases that love those players, it definitely helps. Oh, with Fox, you gotta prove it in these years to come versus just getting some some benefit, you know, some benefiting from that max contract. I just don't see it that way for Fox. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick, quick comment here. Uh, hey Nate, I got a question. Do all tops hobby boxes come with short prints? As far as I know, yes. Every tops, every box I've ever bought has come with a Will Smith short print or like an ET row short print or Trooper Jones short print, something, something Herman along those lines. I remember when he got Herman, Herman Killebrew sold a super short print in Herman Killebrew for like forty bucks. That was that was cool. Set, um, hey, set, set collectors love those things, by the way. So if you're looking for ways to make money back in your box, sell those short prints right when the boxes come out. Yep. Um, as for uh, you know colored, I've noticed that you always get a black in jumbo hobby tops boxes. You don't always get a black in just regular tops hobby. So fun little fact there. Nice. All right. On to my question with a lot of hype surrounding Wander Franco in the baseball card market. What's his potential upside in floor? And does he have the potential to be the face of baseball? I'm hearing he could be a better hitter than Juan Soto. Um, everyone do yourself a favor and look up Wander Franco on Twitter. Go to Twitter right now. Look up Wander Franco. It should be the first video on the top section. At least it was for me. And it's a video of him hitting inside fa- uh, inside pitch for a home run. Uh, very quick hands. Very nice to see. Um, it's stuff like that that you just don't see out of shortstops very often. And he's doing it at the tender age of 20 now, 19, 20. You know, he lost a full season because of this thing, or else I think he would have been in the majors last year. Um, but we pulled up some prices, Bowman Chrome rookie PSA 10, 1400 bucks. And we've got his, uh, fan graphs ratings, uh, 80 future hit, 60 future power, 60 future speed, 55 field, 60 throw. So if you're looking at those, that is a top of the line, uh, back control with plus power plus speed and an above average fielder with a great arm. That, that is a five tool player right there through and through. Um, can he be the face of baseball? It's baseball is changing because we have now, you know, social media and stuff where you can be on the Rays and still be a star. Randy Rosarina, uh, you can be on the A's, you can be on the Brewers, you can be you don't have to be in a huge market to be a star anymore because of social media. But, you know, the Rays are still the Rays. And I just don't know if somebody on the Rays can be the face of baseball when they have a, a you know, a fan base that puts 12,000 people in the seats every game and um, they just, you know, they just don't show up. So I don't know if he could ever become the face of baseball, but his upside is the best player in baseball and his floor. um, Maybe they overestimate this hit tool and there goes some of that game power, but his floor is probably 
a borderline all-star with his defense speed and everything else he's got going on, um, that would be the very floor, you know, a 280, 20 home run type of guy. Uh, that would be the floor for him, I believe. I'm looking at the last part here. I'm hearing he could, he could be a better hitter than Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto is one of the, the best or probably the best young hitter in baseball. So you, we're literally yeah. looking at like... Honestly, honestly, at this point, you, you could probably say he's the best hitter in baseball. You you know, you got Mike Trout, obviously, but Mike Trout has defense and speed on his side. Pure hitting standpoint? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It really might be Juan Soto. Yeah. Hey, we love him here, of course. Oh, my, more baseball. Let me see if we can get a basketball or something. All right, we're going to go back to the baseball one so we can get some, some more uh, diverse discussion here. So this would be from Ziggy. Ziggy is live here in the chat, I believe. Thanks so much for asking the question. I always appreciate these questions. What do you think about prison football prices and products? Are you buying first off the line prison football? How do I buy Fanatics, prison blasters, and megas? I am not buying any of this, if you're wondering. But first off the line prison football does come out tomorrow. So this is good timing for the live stream to happen the day before because I did want to talk about this in some capacity. Uh, and it's good good timing for it right now. So it's starting at $2,000. As the Dutch auction, you know, the start price, and it goes down incrementally a little bit from there until it reaches the floor of 400 or it sells up beforehand. I saw some people in the chat right here discussing a sellout between 1800 and 2000, which would be very fast. Uh, to be completely honest, I am surprised that they did not start this out higher. We saw Panini start National Treasures basketball at 30k. I'm surprised that they didn't start this at like 3k or 3500 or something, but. You know, they, they did start at 2000. I'm sure it will sell out pretty fast. We have seen how these first off the line products of the big brands react with all the breaking cultures out there now. People trying to invest in sealed boxes, hold them, all that, all that stuff. Last year, I remember, Nate, I bought eight or four first off the line premium edition 2019 prison boxes for 150 bucks or something each last year when, it, when Prism came out. And I think I sold them on eBay because I want to get my money out just for what I paid for them because there's no market there to start. There's like no market. Those things went up to like 800 some dollars. I even offered them to Rory for market price and he didn't take them. So there's really yeah. no market for those to start. But clearly, box prices have changed. Wax has changed in the last year. I do think these will sell out very close to $2,000, probably between 15 and 2000 And looking at the Fanatics stuff, so switching gears here really quick on the right, the Fanatics Blasters released as an exclusive with an orange ice parallel in it. And those are released for, I think, $50 because of the exclusive uh, parallel. Now they're selling for around 150 pre-orders on eBay. And they just released Mega Boxes. I do not know the retail price that they sold them for, but those are flipping for $300. How do you buy them? You pretty much need a bot, <laughs> just to be completely honest. Or you need to... Well, I guess let me say this. I do think that the Fanatics Blasters lasted longer than normal. Uh, but clearly they're selling for higher. They still sold out. You either have to be on it and be really connected to social media or know when these things are releasing or you need a bot and then you can flip them, of course. But uh, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on this stuff in terms of investment. I mean, it's boomer bust when it comes to a lot of football stuff. So tread tread lightly, I'd say. Yeah. That's uh, really all I got to say in that. Loser, or loser uh, you are correct. You can never tell in baseball with Wander Franco. I'm probably a little bit over uh, zealous there with my predictions of him. Um, Buxton had all the tools. You are correct. And yet dealt with injuries multiple years. He's still really good when he plays, but he's just never on the field. And with 
uh, Wander Franco. Um, Aaron, do you remember this when there was video of him drinking? He's like 17 years old drinking uh, uh, beers on his Instagram, which yeah. is a red flag. Um, was, and so you was just it like a team bus. Was he? He was literally in like a team bus, I think, too. It might have been. Might have been a team bus. But that's a huge red flag for a 17 year old kid to be drinking beers. So, um, you know, there is there is always that concern that all the talent and t- tools in the world, but if he doesn't take it seriously and is the type of guy that's drinking beers on the team bus at 17, you know, you don't know how that's going to affect him in the future. So, uh, fair point. Fair point. You just never know with baseball. Yeah, and also let's let's bring up the fact that young people figure stuff out pretty quickly. Sometimes people can figure out that they're acting stupid and switch it around fast. Sometimes they don't, though, like Nate's saying. So, you know, you were, it, it is more uncertainty, though, and, you know, we like to mitigate uncertainty, that's for sure. And uh, we will be po- I will be posting a discussion of this uh, first off the line release on Instagram, either later t- tonight or maybe tomorrow morning, actually, for the question of the day. So if you want to partake in that to see more information about how other people think about it, there will surely be tons of comments on that post. I'm sure so many people on our Instagram page have a lot of thoughts, as I'm sure you all see a lot, sometimes intense, sometimes not as intense. All right, we got two questions left, and this is the last uh, information-based question. Actually, I'm going to back it up. I did say I go back to that baseball one. And this one's going to be quick. I'm not sure how much discussion we have around this, but it's talking about set making. And should you keep your sets as complete sets, non-graded, or should you pick out the good cards from the set that can be graded? PSA 10 sell for a lot. I'm using the example of Tops Update 2018 because there were a couple of rookies in that that obviously sell for a lot between Acuna Soto. And then you add in guys like Torres and Otani also. So complete set sold for 125 buy it now, all non-graded. Set with a PSA 9 Soto, PSA 9 Acuna, and PSA 9 Torres sold for 190. Looking at the PSA 10 values of Soto and Acuna, PSA 10s are 150 to 200. And if you have sets that have 10 potential Acuna or Sotos, or even sometimes Torres and Otani, if you know they're playing well, uh, grade those because it will dramatically increase the value of your set. And you know, I don't know. If people out there don't want to buy complete sets when you have to loosely handle two cards, like two PSA slabs with your complete set, personally, I'd rather have those two cards PSA 10 and have the complete set. But I probably can guarantee you that a lot of people out there would rather have all of them in a box because they're set collectors. They want them in a I box. Love, I love PSA 10s, PSA 9s, you know, the but uh, if I was a set collector, there's no chance I want two of the cards to be out of the thing or have to lay on top type of thing. That's just weird. Yeah, I agree. That's weird, but we also have to think about the resale value and some people just would buy. Well, I guess, I guess at that point it's, you know, are you, are you collecting it to sell it in the future or collecting it to keep it? Yes. So there's two different things. If you're collecting, if you just want to collect the set or you want to buy and sell and trade with set collectors, probably keeping them as a set non graded is most likely better. Um, if you're concerned about resale value and trying to get the most bang for your buck, and if they look like tens, then grade them and sell them. I'm sure you can, even if you make a little bit less because they're out of not less than what you would, but less compared to like if they're all PSA tens. What's up? I have an idea. Yeah, grade every card in the set. You know, people do Spend that thousands upon thousands of dollars to grade uh, Mike Bustakis' eleventh year card. <laughs> People do that for like old sets, but there's no way that will ever happen for a, a new set. That would be something really whack. Imagine seeing a complete PSA 10 set of tops update 2018. <laughs> That'd be really, really weird. You wouldn't right. get your money back out of it. That's for sure. Nope. <laughs> Moving on. 
Except, what if you had the only complete PSA 10 set tops update in the world? <laughs> then everyone else would start doing it. Um, yeah. All right. Have you guys also, covered imagine how Imagine how long it would take to get all of those cards PSA 10. How many, how many, how many random uh, Matt Kemp cards would you have to go through before you finally get a PSA 10? You'd have to pull out of your pack yourself, most likely. Yeah. And imagine uh, trying to ship a complete set of PSA 10s of like a 300 card set. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Oh. All right. Have you guys covered a tier list? Low end to high end NBA cards. We'll love your guys. We'll love your guys' current insight on NBA and what brands to look at. I'm also doing my own due diligence as well. Thanks. So, Mike Brown, I think he might still be in the chat uh, talking pies earlier. But in terms of NBA question, first off, I like that you acknowledge that you're doing your own due diligence as well. We always want people to do research, research, research on your own. So much of it. If you listen to what we have to say, take what we have to say and add to it. You know, we're not always right. We don't have all the thoughts in the world, of course. We don't know everything in the world. So we definitely need your input as well on the flip side of that uh, to to go with what we have to say. And that's when you can start to really, you know, and even other people out there too, other content creators, that's when you can really get a, a good view of the sports card market. But just to answer this question briefly, because I have put up videos breaking down different basketball sets, either if it was in the Slabstacks 101 videos or if it was in the big 50 minute like parallel breakdown for prism select optic and then the autograph brands but just really quick if i were to tier one low tier one mid tier and one high-end set for nba i would say hoops would be the low tier set to chase after they have the teal explosions in this set they're not numbered but they're some of the best looking cards out there i'd have to say and then prism is one of the it is like the biggest what most well-known basketball brand right now you know, everyone's buying, selling, grading those cards. High liquidity, high volume uh, leads to being able to make trends off of it. And then National Treasures is really where, you know, your your big money lies. You got non-graded Ja Morant, Ricky Patrick, number 99, going for 26K. 26K. And I chose the Ja Morant, the blue, of 199 PSA 10 there, which is $6,000 for a PSA 10. But the base PSA 10 Jaws are like 450 so there are much more affordable cards in that set. And even that obviously is expensive. And that's why there's set like sets like hoops and Donruss and all those other ones out there. But you know, do you do your re own research, you know, make some lists. But just if I were to tier one in each thing, that's what I'd have to say. Nate, there appears to be a couple of baseball questions in the live chat. Do you want to answer maybe one of those and we'll wrap this up after the next slide? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What do you guys think? Juan Soto PSA 10 prices in two seasons, assuming he's healthy. <sighs> That's an impossible to predict. <laughs> That's impossible to predict. Uh, but I'm guessing higher than 170, which is what it's at right now, or 180, 185, which is what it's at right now. And where will 2021 Top Series One box prices be when they release? Oh my, oh my! If if Tops update right now is a hundred dollars a hobby box Trash. or more, um, like 225, I think for like a jumbo, which is absurd, um. I, they are going to they are going to price gouge that top series one product so bad you will never see a tops flagship box under you know hundred and like twenty five dollars new coming out ever again probably yeah oh my gosh the new tops update set so disappointing <laughs> it's very disappointing I, there's actually there's actually retail in stores of tops update that's how bad I saw it, it. Is. I saw it sitting on them shelves. Isn't that amazing? On themselves. The yeah, only it, in a time amazing. where people buy any retail that comes out and Tops Update isn't getting bought, 
that's how you know how which bad is a norm- product it is. Which is normally like the biggest brand of the year, or at least perceived, because of course it always just has to do a checklist. But when it comes to people thinking about brands, one of the biggest yep. perceived brands, crazy, yep. crazy, crazy. All right, wrapping it up here. We had a question from T-Brew about the Slab Stocks app and Slab Stocks Pro platform. And yes, it's been very delayed. And we understand that. We know that. We've been you know, sending out emails to pre-registration list, not as recently, but keeping people updated with where are we at with our external connections, which is really what was going to make Slab Stocks Pro happen. We've hit some really huge delays and not something that we can control. And you know, we're, we feel bad about that. And we really want to bring it to life. Of course, you know, we really want to. And I'm sure you guys can sense that. And it's really, you know, what we're building here and hoping to have everyone use and you know, really make sports cards accessible to everyone carrying out our mission. We are in the back end of our company right now, you know, making some really big action plans to make something happen for Slapstacks Pro. And we're really excited because we, you know, we're onto something and we appreciate y'all's y'all's patience and you know, just bearing with us through this time because we are doing all we can right now to, to make something happen. It will happen and we're going to we're going to do it, even if it's going to be delayed. We know it's delayed a lot. So just bear with us for for some time here and we're going to get something out there for free because we know how much how important that is to you as sports card collectors and investors, whichever bucket you fall into or both, because, you know, it is not mutually exclusive. Um, you know, we, we know how, how valuable that is to have it for free. So you can spend more money on your cards and your collection and keep building up because we don't want to prohibit anyone from doing that. So we're going to, you know, we're going to bring it here and we're going to continue to bring these YouTube lives here because we think this is a great way for us to connect to our audience with these questions and to get more, you know, of our thoughts out there, including your thoughts. Cause we love these live chats. Uh, they really add a ton to this show. I really, really appreciate that. And also I've been seeing a ton of people saying that they're slab stocks. Uh, limited edition gold t-shirts have been coming in. Eric Stefano said it right here. Uh, we appreciate all of you that bought those two. 169 were made. Uh, very low quantities, you know, at least compared to other shirts out there. So we're pretty excited to, to have that shirt be limited and to have you all who really wanted to have it in your hands now. And and thank you all for sticking with us with that too. And we appreciate that. All the patience always helps for sure. Yep. Hey, Aaron, can I answer one more question? Go for it. I know you've kind of wrapped up, but yeah, uh, Joseph, Joseph Correnti. Can you give a recent example of how one of you zigged while everyone zagged when it comes to a solid investment? It seems like everyone follows big influencers, what big influencers are doing and not asking why. And that is a very good point is that a lot of people, and this goes with everything in life, not just sports card investments. If some major platform is doing it, you know, I'm going to do it, right? Good enough for me without really doing any research in the background. And uh, one time we zigged when everyone else zagged uh, would be pitching investments in Bowman Chrome. When Aaron and I started, uh, we would buy cards together because I was too cheap to buy them on my own and take the big risk. So I'd get Aaron to help finance the cards when we, years ago. Two years ago. Two years and, ago. And uh, we, we bought pitchers, uh, almost exclusively pitchers because they were, I felt like they were good values for guys that I thought would explode. And we did really, really well. So you don't always have to listen to people. You know, there's going to be people that always say pitchers are, you know, injury injury prone. You can't buy them. You know, there's going to be people that say you can't buy running backs. And while I agree with that, for the most part, you can still make money. Um, don't buy centers or whatever. You can still make money. You know, um, you just have to be smart. There's a lot of pitchers yeah. you can lose money on. But if you if you do it wisely and choose the right guys, and that that is mostly just comes from years of, like following baseball and kind of trusting your gut, uh, you can do well. Awesome. Agree with that last statement. Thanks so much for uh, providing that, Nate. I think it really 
help strengthen people out there who who want to find stuff on their own and really go for it. You know, I myself included, you know, obviously we produce so much content. We get a lot of information out there because we want to get as much perspective as possible and bring on guests and everything. We don't want to, you know, pigeonhole it to certain viewpoints and hope and we, you know, even on Instagram try to drive so much user discussion. There's so many questions posed versus just straight information. And that is really to get those thoughts flowing and to show that there's more perspectives out there than just maybe a couple out there that can push through the public and even with us being a, a pretty big public presence in terms of, you know, driving discussion, um, you know, we, we want to make sure we always keep that at the forefront is user engagement and getting questions out there and thought provoking and everything to, to do more research and to, you know, figure out what's right for you. And I think that's always, if we, you know, if we can keep that in the front, in the forefront and keep people thinking and keep people, you know, motivated to find new things, that's, it's really how it's going to keep it going, you know, versus always just focusing on one thing, maybe. Uh, but we we appreciate all of you guys for watching and that wraps up this week's live show if you have a question for next week hop into that cap or that description of this video click on that first link it's a google form where you can submit a question for next week's video we'll maybe get in there we'll try to of course there's always a lot of questions but we try our best to pick out ones that we think are very uh you know good discussion bases and if we don't get to we don't get to we might get to in a pre in the next video but we appreciate all of you for submitting the questions for watching Nate, thanks for joining me for this hour and 20 minutes. Always a pleasure. Always a good time. Thanks, guys. See ya.